Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Well, amen. Now, a couple of important things going on uh, today and this week. First of all, you know, today is, is um, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Let's just be honest. And the hometown is in it. And we don't live in Texas. And we don't, we don't live in Kansas City. And so I was glad the choir was going to do Fly Eagles Fly, but we didn't want to offend anybody this morning. And so we decided. Choir did an awesome job. Wasn't that a beautiful song? Awesome job with that. And so, um, and so, yeah. But then also, you know, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And I don't know how you feel about all that kind of stuff. And how many of you celebrate Valentine's Day? Where's all the late? Look, all the ladies' hands went up. And the guy said, is that Tuesday? And so, you know, it's, it's the love holiday, isn't it? Right? So, now, think with me, if you would. I want you to do this. I want you to make a mental list right now. A mental list. You know what a mental list is, right? You don't need paper or pen. Just a mental list of three things that you love. First thing comes to your mind. Three things you love. Make a mental list. Go ahead. Three things. And they don't have to be in order. Just three things. Right? you make that list? Now, I want you to do this. I want you to turn to the person next to you, even if they're not a spouse, even if they're a friend, and tell the person the very first thing came to your mind when you thought about something I love. Would you do that? Would you go ahead and do that? Just turn to somebody. Find somebody. Tell them the very first thing came to your mind. Go ahead. Yeah? And look here. Look here for a second. Don't get spiritual on me. Don't, don't go saying God. You know? Now, I'm not sure. I have no idea what's on your list. And, uh, but you know this, right? That word love uh, has taken on a new dimension in our world, hasn't it? Right? Uh, we use it. We use it for everything, right? If you, if you get around me every once in a while, I might say something like this. Man, I tell you what, I love pizza. And I really do. I, I literally, I love pizza. I can eat pizza for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and you wake up at midnight, I'll have a slice with you. I love pizza. You know, it's good, isn't it? Isn't pizza great? How many of you love pizza? Amen. Was that on your list? Be honest. If I'd have made a quick list, Pastor, give me some things you love, pizza would have been on my list. I don't know where on the list, but it would have been on my list. It would certainly not have been Bob Donna. <laughs> you got real quiet when I said that. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? Wow. I'm so offended right now. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, some people say this, man, I, you know, car enthusiasts would say, well, I love that car, you know, and oh, I love that house, you know. Um, today, you're going to hear a lot of this. I love them eagles. <laughs> Amen. Now, that'll be before nine o'clock tonight. You know, after nine, who knows, but, you know, um, we love them eagles, right? 
But I want you to look, I want you to look at the text of Scripture I selected for this morning because it takes love to a different level. Look at 1 John with me, chapter number 4, 1 John chapter number 4, and look at verse 7 and 8. You know this passage of Scripture. It says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And join me in verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for, say with me, God is love. God is love. That takes, that takes love, in my opinion, it takes love to a, a, a different level. And here in this text, we, we not only read about the love of God, but we read about this fact, God is love, right? And then there's a challenge. Look at verse 11, same chapter, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another, right? What a challenge that is. Because let's just be honest, let's get it out of the way right now. There are some people that are hard to love. I hate it when you get so cowardly. Say amen right there. There are some folk that are just hard to love. Amen? But we're commanded to love them anyway. If God so loved us, then we ought, verse 11, we ought also to love one another. And it doesn't say anywhere there about being lovable. Right? Because every once in a while, even the best of us, even the most lovely of us become unlovable. You know, uh, if you take it back just a, a chapter in chapter number three, look what it said in verse 11. It said, for this is the message that ye have heard from when? The beginning. What, what's the message? That we should love one another. Do you see that? Huh? And so in essence, in essence, John is saying this, God's been preaching this same message from the very beginning. Huh? From the very beginning, God has been instructing his his children, to love one another. And here in the New Testament, it, it's commanded, it's a challenge, and we might say this, this is, the very, this is the very heart of God, you know, that we love one another, right? Uh, we come to understand this, we come to understand that love is more than what we say. It's more than words, isn't it? When you read the Scripture, you come to realize that love is an action, in fact, someone put it this way. Someone said, he who loves much does much. Take that in for a second. Let that soak in. He who loves much does much. In essence, what the, what the text is saying is simply this, love does much. You know, it's more than just words we speak, I love you or I love that. No, it's an action that we must express. And the Bible says here in this text, in speaking about, you know, God, two, two wonderful statements that I want to highlight. I want you to notice in verse number 7, this statement, being born of God. Look at verse 7 again, chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And look, look at this. And everyone that loveth is what? Born of God. Born of God. That's the first statement. We're going to look at that in just a moment. The second statement is in verse number 8, where it says, God is love. God is love. Now, we, we've heard that many times, right? God is love. And, 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 and a lot of times, it just becomes one of those statements of our faith. We just take it in. You know, God is love. Uh, we, 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 we like this. You know, we love him because uh, 
He first loved us. God is love. Now, what that text is saying is this. It doesn't say God loves. No, it emphatically states the fact that God is love. God loves because he is love. That changes everything. And when you look at it in doctrinal terms, when you say God is love, it's speaking about one of his attributes. In fact, the central attribute of God, his holiness, right, goes side by side with his love. God is love. It's kind of like I joke all the time with my buddy Steve Bongiorno. He's a good Irishman. (laughs) But we might say this, Steve is Italian. Uh, I mean, he boasts and brags, and I love being Italian, but I don't, I don't use it as a calling card. But you get around Steve. If you're not Italian, I'll tell you what, you might have trouble. <laughs> Steve is Italian. He's got T-shirts to prove it. <laughs> He's got an accent that goes along with it, you know? And he can tell you every place in South Jersey and somewhere in Brooklyn where you can get good pizza and good pasta. Steve is Italian. God is is love. It's what he is. And he does what he is over and over and over and over. In fact, we can say this way, God is love and he always acts in love. Everything he does is because of his love. For example, creation. Think about creation with me. Creation is an act of God's love. You know why I say that? Because when you read through creation, here's what you discover. Everything that God created, he provided for. Right? Sure. Uh, You've heard me say this before. Uh, It's kind of like a fish out of water. God not only created fish, but before he created the fish, what did he create? He created a habitat for them. He created water. Because, you know, fish without water is like a fish out of water. Huh? Huh? right? Uh, The birds, before he created birds, you know what he created? He created the expanse. He created the sky, the atmosphere. Why? So that birds would have a place to spread their wings, right? Uh, Man, you know what he did for man? He looked at man and he said, he's going to mess up everything. He's going to need somebody to help him. So guess what he creates for him? A woman. And not just a woman, he created the, the perfect helpmate, You know why that is? Because he gave back to man what he took from man. That's another message in and of itself. So creation is an act of God's love because God provides for everything that he created. Salvation, right? Salvation is an act of God's love. Think about it. One of the greatest Bible verses in all the Bible. In fact, it's the mini Bible, John 3 and verse 16. Say say it with me. Ready? Quote it. You ready? For God so so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say uh, God one day decided he's got to do something so he gave his only begotten son. No, it says for God so loved the world. Salvation is an act of God's love. Hello? And not only that, sanctification is an act of God's love. Because God loves us so much, he begins to work inside of us after salvation to make us into the image that he wants us to be. That's sanctification, right? We're becoming, I like what Joe, uh, my brother Joe said a couple weeks back, we are becoming what we already are. We already are the sons of God through sanctification. We're becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm getting excited. (laughs) 
Because I'm talking about our God and his great love for us. God is love. And as a result, he loves. Isn't that wonderful? But then it says this in, in verse number 7, the second statement. It's really the first, but we look at the second, is being born of God. Did you see that? And everyone that loveth is born of God. We could say it this way. The evidence of being born of God is that we show love. Think about that for a second. Let that soak in. Uh, look at verse 7 again. Look at it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is what? Born of God. So the evidence, the evidence of being born of God, according to verse number 7, is what? Is what? Love one for another. Right? It's not what Bible you carry. There's a great debate right now going on. If you're a Twitter guy, right, Tyler? There's a great debate. I mean, I mean preachers are fighting again. I, can't, I, be, I hope they're all watching me right now. I don't know where they find the time to do so much fighting on Twitter if you're supposed to be pastoring a church. Huh? You know, right? However, they're, they're at it again. They're fighting. They're, they're going crazy again. You know, however, listen, the Bible teaches you and I this, that God loves us in such a way, and, and the way we show that we're born, the evidence isn't by what Bible we carry or what church we go to or what clothing we wear. Say amen right there. No, Jesus said, John said in, in verse number seven, the evidence is that we love. I mean, being born of God, everyone that loveth is born of God. Let's take, that, let's take that a step further. He's not talking about, you know, speaking the love language. Isn't that fancy? Everything is love language. You know, I don't know what love language is. Because if all I did with, with my dear wife Donna is say I love you and didn't show that I love her, it wouldn't work. Love is more than a language. Now, I'm all for words. And I think words are important. Don't you agree? I think we ought to learn how to say to individuals, I love you. I care about you. Words of, you know, affirmation, so on and so forth. But real love is more than words. It's an action. Right? And, and so, in, in essence, what he's saying here is this. Being born again, uh, if we're born again, we're going to show love. Right? Now, think about this with me. Now, pay attention right here. I'm going to get, kind of get a little bit, uh, you might think, off the track, but I'm not. When you're, when you're born again, you, you are now given a dual nature, right? And so every born-again person, how many of us in this room this morning say, Preacher, I'm born again. I'm saved. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Wave at me. Wonderful. Well, you know what you now have? You have a dual nature. You, you were born with what is called a sin nature, right? You have a sin nature, and then when you get born again, you now have a new nature. You have a spiritual nature. You have a dual nature. Say, preacher, what's a nature? A nature is simply this, uh, speaking naturally. It's what makes us, it's the characteristics that make us human. For example, a human nature is the ability to think, to feel, right, to choose. We have, we have a soul, which is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So human nature is the characteristics of being human. Hello, right? Uh, a spiritual nature is the ability to communicate with God, right? Uh, it's the ability to understand God. 
obey God, live for God, serve God. We have a dual nature if you're born again. You have a sin nature, and that's your ability to be a human. But now if you're born again, you have a spiritual nature, and you have the ability to communicate with God, understand God, enjoy God, experience God, love God. Isn't that wonderful? Huh? I think it is. Uh, I, want you to, I want you to think about this verse. Throw it up on the screen if you would. Romans chapter 8, verse number 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. You ever read that verse before? Now, I'm talking about verse 7 of our text. Leave that up, guys. Verse 7 of our text uh, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is what? Born of God. Born of God. That means you got born again. That means you now have, you have a dual nature. You still have, look up here for a second, you still very much have a sin nature and the ability to sin. Say amen, I know. No, I meant I know. Right? Say amen, I know. Right? You still have, I still have, we still have the ability to sin. Amen, I know. How do you know? Because you've seen other people sin. All right? Huh? Right? And so, but, but that dual nature, we still have, look here, uh, before I got saved, I was lost. I know you weren't, but I was. And you know what, Bob? I, I don't have to teach myself how to sin. I remember how to do it. Why? It's part of my nature. Right? When I came out of my mother's womb, I started breathing. Right? I didn't have to go to a breathing class. You're, you're not getting this. You're just not getting it. No, it, it, it was natural. I, I breathed, right? And also, I was born with a sin nature, so guess what? Inside of me, my mother and father loved me so much, they gave me their nature, which is the ability to sin. And there's nobody in this room who's been born without one. You have one. Even your beautiful, little, lovely children. David said, I came out of my mother's womb speaking lies. And that's why our kids need to be saved, right? We have a sin nature, but then we have, we're born again. Now we get this new nature. And this new nature, man alive, I'll tell you what, it's exciting because I'm finding out things like I never knew before. I'm experiencing things I've never experienced before. Hello? When I was raised up, I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and our prayers were something like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on See how fast I can say that? Uh, back that up with, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. That was prayer. Never do I ever remember growing up and praying, Oh, God in heaven, I know you're my Father, and I need you right now, man. I'm having some real trouble. Would you please speak your word? In the I never prayed <laughs> prayers like that. Why? Because I didn't know a prayer like that existed until I got born again. And now that I'm saved, I have this connection with God. I understand him a bit more. Why? Mm, that Bible verse. Can I explain that Bible verse to you? You sure? Are you with me? Prove it. <laughs> Look at it again. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Think about the laws of nature with me for a second. 
right? I'll give you a law of nature. They say there's four, there's five. It all depends on who you speak about. Laws of Top law of nature is gravity, right? You know what gravity is? Let's sing it. What goes up must come down. There you go, bunch of sinners. Sing it out. I caught you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Just probably put all these bad thoughts in your head, you know, in the back of your pants. Sorry about that. So, law of gravity. What goes up must come down. Isn't that right? Huh? That's why, that's why we're on earth today. There's a law. It's gravity. It's, look here. It's a natural process. Now, I can get really deep with that and talk about, you know, the laws of nature and how they're scientific, but it's a natural process. God created the earth that way, right? And so, now, isn't it true that we can overpower gravity? Sure we can. Did you ever fly in an airplane? Aren't you glad it stays up? Huh? So, you get in the airplane, you're heading from here to the great state of Florida, Right? You know, and you're up in the air, and you're saying to yourself, there's no such thing as gravity. Really? There's something that's overpowering gravity, that gravity and you know what it's called? Aerodynamics, right? And so a plane, you know, a jet plane, you know, the pilot cranks up those jet engines, and man, all of a sudden, whew, man, we're taken off. However, you get, you know, 35, 6, maybe 37,000 feet, up in the air, and those jet engines stop firing and working, guess where that plane is going to end up? What goes up must come down. So you know what that means? Pay attention to this. That means this. We can overpower gravity, but just because you've overpowered it doesn't mean it it no longer exists. Right? It's a law of, you can't, look here, you can't break a law, you can overpower a law, but you can't break a law. Now, you got that? Are you sure? Can I give you another illustration? Okay. You get in the car with Raji Smith. <laughs> you get on the expressway, Lenox C Expressway, the speed limit is, what is it? 65. Raji says, we got to get there in a hurry, he's doing 85. Speed limit was? 65. That's what? That's the law in the great state of New Jersey. On the expressway, 65 miles an hour. Raji's doing 85, and you know what you just said? Man, no longer a law. No, he broke the law, but he's going to have to pay for it. Because here comes the state trooper, and Raji says, but listen, I just decided I wanted to go to 85. And so, since I'm doing 85, 65 no longer exists. Really? What world have you grown up in, young man? So, he gives him a really nice little reminder that the law is 65. Are you with me? Now, place all of that here. It says, for the law of the spirit of life, that's a natural process. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Natural process. The soul that sins, it must die. How many of us know people that have and will continue to? Why? Because the law of sin and death. Are you with me? Pay attention now. However, however, in Christ Jesus, there's the law of the spirit of life. And guess what the law of the spirit of life? Are you paying good attention? Yes. 
The law of the spirit of life overpowers the law of sin and death. So, because I have a sin nature, I'm going to die. This body is going to die, period. However, because I'm born again, my soul will live forever. Ain't God good? And so, what he says in this text is this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. I am born of God. And because I am, you know what I can do? You know what I should do? You know what I'm supposed to do? Look at verse 11 again. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Isn't that awesome? John makes a connection here, and in in chapter 3, we read these words, the message from the beginning was what? To love one another. Look look at it again. I need you to see this. Chapter 3, verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. But would you notice what he follows that up with? Would you look at the next verse? Not as who? Cain. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So he gives us an illustration, Nate. And here's what he says in that text of Scripture. He says, uh, you need to love one, not as Cain. The implication is this. Don't allow the seed of jealousy to take root in your heart. Not as Cain, who killed his brother. And then he says this about his brother, uh, because his own works were evil and his brothers were what? Righteous. And so he's talking now, who, who was his brother? Abel, right? So you need to love, the message from the very beginning was love one another. And he takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis. About, it talks about these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Now don't love like Cain, because Cain was jealous. He had jealousy in his heart. Huh? Why? Because his brother was righteous. So you know what the you know what the lesson is there? This is a powerful lesson. Pay attention to this. When you live like Abel, don't be surprised if there's a cane in your life. Oh man, that was better than you let on. If you live like Abel, don't be surprised if there's a cane in your life. So when you're living righteous and you're trying to do right, don't be surprised if there's not somebody there trying to take you down. It's just the way it is. Just the way the Bible says it is. Are you with me? Nonetheless, we're supposed to love one another. Look, 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 at, verse, look at verse 20 of chapter 4. Let me build the case and I'm finished. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, say it with me. He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I mean to tell you, like, John, get over it already. Right? He just keeps harping on it, harping on it, harping on it, harping on it. Right? Love one another. And that's the message from the beginning. Love, if you're born of God, you're going to love one another. If you say you love God, well, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother who you say you've never seen God? And that's John's words, right? So here's, here's what Jesus said. I love this text. It's probably one of my all-time favorite texts in the New Testament. Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, he said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Uh, as I've loved you, so that's the standard. 
that ye also love one another. Listen to verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. So John, John, 1 John 4 says this, if you're born of God, then you're going to love. Jesus said in the gospel of John, by your love one for another, will all men know that you follow me. Had nothing to do with, with, with Bible versions. Had nothing to do with, with what church you attend. Has nothing to do with the clothing you wear. No, they'll know that you're following me. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. They'll know that you're following me by your love one for another. Huh? So here's my question. What does that look like in reality? It's, it's nice to say it, and I can preach it. I can get louder if you want, or I can get real, 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 real. But what does it mean? I mean, in reality, you know, what does it mean to love one another? Somebody say, help me, preacher. All right, so you, I'm not going to help you because you didn't ask for it, so just decide right here. Let me give you a couple of practical tips, maybe as to what it, what it looks like in reality to love one another. You with me? You may want to do this. I'm going to give you five thoughts, five tips. I'm not going to preach them. I'm going to comment on them. But you may want to, when I get all five up on the board, you may want to take a picture of it because it's very practical. What does it look like to love one another according to this text? Again, these are just suggestions from me. All right? Consider, consider accepting people for who they are. Think about it. What does it mean, you know, John says, Jesus says, you need to love one another. By this, they'll know you're my father. What does it mean to love somebody the way Jesus loves us? Maybe it, it starts with accepting people for who they are. Now, look here. Somebody say, but that's not easy. I know. I know. But that would mean this. If we accept people for who they are, then it means this, it doesn't make a difference what color their skin is. Huh? Doesn't matter if they're white or black or polka dot. Now, if they're polka dot, they might have measles or chicken pox. You may want to be real careful being around them, you know. It, it doesn't make, pay attention right here. It doesn't make it, and don't read anything I'm saying. Just take it at face value. It doesn't matter if they're Baptist or Pentecostal. Catholic or Episcopalian. You know, when I go down to get my coffee at Wawa, by the way, today, if you're an Eagles fan only, you got to prove it, Steve. You get free Wawa coffee. <laughs> but I don't ask the lady serving my coffee when she made my coffee. Excuse me, excuse me. Are, are you Baptist? You're what? You're Catholic? I can't drink this coffee. No, I am non-discriminate as to far as who makes my coffee at Wawa. Makes no difference to me. Huh? Accepting people for who they are. Look here, they don't have to agree with us. We don't, we don't have to agree. We're talking about loving one another. Huh? We don't have to be doctrinally, I mean, on the same. Hello? Huh? Uh, their skin doesn't need to be without markings. Their body doesn't need to be without piercings. Hello? Right? Why? Because if we're going to love in reality, it means we're going to accept people for who they are. Say, where'd you come up with that? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. 
I mean, he took me. He accepted us just like we are. Aren't you glad of that? Huh? Good grief. Could you imagine if he had come down and say, Steve, you're Italian. I'm sorry, but uh, we got too many in heaven already. By the way, I didn't read about O'Malley and his band, but I did read about Cornelius and the Italian band in the Bible. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Are, 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 are you listening to that? Let me add one to it. You ready? Number two, consider learning what unconditional love looks like. <laughs> Go ahead and say, that's not easy. I know it's not. I know it's not, because this takes a certain kind of love. This takes his love. This takes being born of God, right? Because unconditional means there are no, no conditions at all for you to meet in order for me to love you. It's unconditional. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad when I preach the gospel to lost people and I talk to them about the love of Jesus, I'm so glad that there's not a list of things where I say, well, now listen, if you really want to be saved, if you, want to, if you really want to get his love, well, then you've got to stop this and stop that and start this and go there. No, you know what it is? Just come as you are. Just come just as you are. Though your sins be red, he'll make you, man, clean white as snow. Aren't you glad of that? Huh? Unconditional love. So, Lord, we need to understand what that looks like. And all you really need to do is look at the man in the mirror. Right? If he can love you. Wow. Can I give you a third? Here's another one. Ready? A little practical. Consider praying for others by name and by need. Now, now, now this is going to take on a different look here. Because this is no longer, you know, just, you know, something we're accepting because... No, this becomes reality when I absolutely positively work at caring for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Huh? When somebody says, when I walk up and Tony says to me, Pastor, you got a minute? Sure, what is it, my friend? Would you, would you pray? Let me give you a real example. Cheryl Miller just a little bit ago came over and said, Pastor, would you pray for my mother Vivian? Sure. Gave me a little card. We'll pray for Vivian by name and now by need. Because I know she's having surgery on Friday. Hello? You know, I often say this, you know, on Wednesday nights, we might give some prayer requests, and I'll say, hey, pray for, for, for Joe this and Betty that, and, and nobody's writing anything down. You're not going to remember that. So you know what that means? You're probably not going to pray for that by name. What does real love look like? In reality, it's praying for others by name and by need. And that takes time and effort and a little bit of work. But that's what makes us a body. You know, my wife and I, uh, we got real sick over Christmas. I mean, so sick that on a Friday I called Tyler and, and my wife was sick in bed. And I called Tyler and said, brother, you need to take me to the hospital. I'm, I'm dehydrated. I'm really sick. While I'm in the hospital, in the, in the e, e, ER, you know, I get my daughter, Christine, on the phone who lives in Lancaster. She said, Chris, I hate to say she's got four little kids. You're going to have to come over here and help me. You're going to have to help us. You know, Mom, I can't take care of mom, and mom is sick in bed. I'm in the hospital. And you know what Christina said? I don't know if I can do that. She said, Dad, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And I no sooner got home from the hospital, and she was pulling up in her car and spent a few days with us taking care of her parents. We're not that old. Are you with me? But that's, that's what real love does. 
You know, it looks to the, to, to the specific need and meets, you know, all this jargon. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I'm praying for you. Really? Are we really? And are we praying for the need? Uh, Tony says, Pastor, would you pray for my mother? Sure. What, what, for what? What's the need? I want to know what to pray for. I got a call yesterday for Kelly Barber. Hey, pray for, pray for mom. She's in the hospital. Congestive heart failure. Got a you know, bad kidney. Got kidney disease. I, got, I know what to pray for. And I prayed for her by name yesterday, several times in this morning, by name. And I know what you're thinking. You should. You're the pastor. Hey, listen, before I'm the pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm your brother. You're my brother or sister. And that's what real love looks like. Huh? Can I, can I add to it? Here's another one. Real love. Consider being there when they're... Go ahead, flip it. When you just need to be there. Hello? There are sometimes, I was saying this to Steve Beppel yesterday. I remember being a young pastor and many times being called upon to perform pastoral responsibilities. You know, somebody's dying, somebody's in the hospital, and they call me, Pastor, can you come? And all the way to the hospital, I was thinking, wow, what do I say? Tyler, did you ever, did you ever get an episode? What do I say? I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm a young pastor at the time. You know, first church, I got people, you know, getting sick, and what do I say? And I would get there, and I'd be honest with you. I mean, sometimes God would just get, and sometimes I'd just stand there. I'd just be there, you know? And I would maybe open up a psalm and read a psalm and maybe pray. There were times I would stay there for hours and just sit in the corner. And you know what? After the episode or after the event or whatever transpired, I would hear from the family members and say, they would say something like, pay, pay attention here. Pastor, thank you for just being there. Just being there. Just your presence being there. Hello? So God's not saying you got to walk into a room and take over. He's not saying you got to walk into a room and be me, be God. No, just being there when being there is all that's needed. That's what real love looks like. Hey, go ahead and love one another. Well, what's that look like? Hello? I'm not saying that's easy because there's times when, pay attention right here, I just don't want to. And there's sometimes I've had to love people that I don't like. Go ahead, swallow hard, you'll get it down. Because there's some people we just don't like. But I'm commanded to love them. Right? And then let me give you this one final thing. Consider giving what's necessary. Not what you want, but what's necessary. What's necessary? Right? That's what I need to pray about. God, you have me in this, in this situation. What is it that I could give? What's necessary here? Maybe it's just time. Maybe it is a few bucks. Maybe it is a little bit more. Maybe it is saying, hey, you know what? I have an extra room in my house. It's yours for a couple of days. And what's it look like? I don't know. Maybe it's pulling over saying, oh, I don't have time for this, but that lady can't change that tire on her own. Hello? Right? And I know we live in a world today where you got to be really, really, really careful. Correct? But don't let, that, don't let that minimize or cause you and I to overlook opportunities to do ministry. You know what ministry is? I got this definition from Brother Gibbs many years ago. 
Ministry is divine resources meeting human needs through loving channels. Right? So ministry occurs when God wants to meet a need. I don't have what, what that person needs, but I can be a channel. I can be a conduit. Are you with me? And sometimes that's all, all he's asking us to be. It's just a channel. Just be a conduit. <laughs> Why? Because he wants to meet needs. I pray every Sunday. Our staff prays together every Sunday morning. And we say, God, use us today as a conduit. Use us as people you can work through. Because I don't know what your needs are. Right? I might walk right by you and you got a great need. I don't know what it is, but if God knows what your need is, he might use me as a conduit to meet your need because divine resources meeting human needs through loving channels is ministry. Amen? Amen. So, I think that's what real love looks like. Let me give you a Bible verse in closing, and I'm finished. Romans 12, verse number 9 says this. Let love be without dissimulation. You know what that word dissimulation pretty much means? Pretentious. Uh, hypocritical. Right? John says, you ought to love one another because you're born of God. Jesus says, you ought to love one another because I've commanded you, and your love one for another will prove that you follow me. Are you with me? But don't let your love be pretentious or hypocritical. I'm only doing this because I'm told to or commanded to. No, it needs to be genuine. It needs to be godlike. Godlike. Amen? And, and that takes receiving and understanding the love that God has for us. And you know where that begins, folks? It begins at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died. At Calvary. Mercy, great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty. At Calvary. It begins at Calvary. You got to ask yourself this morning, has there been a Calvary in your life? Just because you come to Open Bible Baptist Church, that's wonderful. We'd love to have you here. But if there's not been a Calvary in your life, you, you, you need to consider what that means. Have you been born of God? Maybe you're struggling with so many things simply because you're, you're trying to do this Christian thing in your own power. You only have a human nature. Man, you got to have that dual nature. you got to have that spiritual nature. And that only comes when you get born again. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's where it's at, right? Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.